Pastor Glenn's going to come and uh, bring a word uh, this morning. So why don't we uh, put our hands together and welcome him as he comes. Thank you very much indeed. Greetings from uh, Romford. You've probably never heard of it. Uh, it's a, a little town in the north or the east end of London, um, and it's in a borough called Havering. So uh, we've been there 20 years, uh, ministering in that area. Um, just briefly, a little bit of background for myself. I was born in St. Kitts in the West Indies, um, but when I was two years old, my family emigrated to England, and we landed in Leeds. And I was raised in Leeds, so I'm a Yorkshireman. And, uh, oh, is, uh, is that another Yorkshireman here? No. No, all right. <laughs> so I was raised in Leeds. Um, uh, at 19 years of age, I, I met Jesus. I'd always believed in God, always absolutely believed in him. Um, but uh, to be honest, landing in England in the 60s and growing up through then, uh, in the north in particular, there was no integration, you know, uh, if you saw a black person walking down the street, you go, wow, <laughs> you know, you go over and talk to each other because it was so strange to see uh, another black person there. Um, and growing up through that, working my way through that as a young person, obviously had an ef its effect and stuff, but uh, when I became a Christian at 19 years of age, um, God just brought me into a family, the family of God. And from there, um, it was the Elim Church in Leeds that uh, um, began to, I uh, began to go along to, and in the youth group, um, became the youth leader there for about seven years, and then in 88, felt the call of God to go to Bible College. I was married by then to Jill, and we went off to Bible College, did three years there, and then we were posted to Ilford, which again is in London, and we were there for seven years as the... Uh, assistant and associate. Um, my, my background through all of that was youth. I love youth. Um, and then uh, we had children. Rachel's the youngest. And uh, we have Sarah and Hannah, the eldest. Um, and then we got called to Romford. When we got called to Romford, the church had had a split. And sadly, very sadly, it was a bad split. So what remained was around about 25 people. Um, there's only two families, uh, the rest were older, and we felt, when they interviewed us, we felt, this is where God wants us to be. This is where God wants us to be. And their faith was such that they believed God for something more. Um, and I believe God's got something more for you. It's interesting, you've got three, three girls as well. Three girls as well. I felt very akin when I came in here. I felt, you know, this, is, this takes me yes. Uh, and God gave us a word. He gave us a word um, that he would bring blessing. And it was a prophetic word which had given to one of the elders who remained. Uh, two years prior to that, they'd had uh, gone out to a conference. The church at that stage was going fine, no issues. Uh, went out for a blessing to the front of this conference, Christian conference. Um, anybody want a blessing was the pronouncement. And they said, yeah, that's what we're here for. So they came to the front. People prophesying. A guy came up to them and prophesied, your church is going to have a split. You're going to lose most of your people. 
God's going to replace them. And then blessing will come. Not the kind of word you want to go out for a blessing. But that's what they were blessed with. And they just put it to the back of their mind. Thought this guy must have had too much cheese for in the evening or something. And they left it, forgot about it. Two years later, bang, the church had a split. Devastating split. Um, and then, you know, the, the minister there just resigned. And that's how we ended up there. But that really, God really spoke. It was a real word of prophecy. Because within a short space of time, the people who had left were replaced. And blessing has come. And blessing still continues. We believe there's more. But to have the confidence of knowing that God had spoken and it was a real word of prophecy really encouraged us. And uh, I believe for you, the best is yet to come. And the key is being together. So let me read from uh, Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, and chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the, and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the, the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more can I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, floggings, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert and mountains, living in caves and holes and in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Wow, what a word. What a word. Let me move on quickly. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what I really want to just urge you to do this morning. Um, for me, uh, I've, I've got a bad eye. One of my eyes is narrow. It's a lazy eye. Um, it was operated on when I was about four or five to try and widen it. And in the process of trying to widen that eye, um, I had to look out of the other eye, the good eye, uh, for six months or so. And um, back in the, those days, they all, all they did was put a patch over the other eye. So I ended up straining my good eye. Um, and that's the eye now that is lopsided. That's the one that I can't see out of hardly. Um, and the narrow eye is the good eye, as it turns out. So, um, but the problem with that is I'm a bit, I'm a bit um, skew with with my uh, with my vision. My eyes are constantly having to readjust all the time because of of uh, one of them being great and the other one not being too good. So I now have very focals, very focals, not bifocals, but very focals because. I can, uh, if I want to drive and stuff, I can look out the center of my glasses and can see everything great. If I want to read, I can look down and I can read the script um, without having to change glasses. The thing that throws that out is when I'm tired. When I'm tired, my eyes are tired, then everything just becomes a bit messy. Uh, and I can't read as, as good as I should. But this morning, I just want to talk about focus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, because that's what we need to do. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter and the author of our faith. But there will be things that distract us. The verse there, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. To fix our eyes on him, when you look at the Greek, it means basically to, uh, it reads like this. Look away from unto Jesus. If you want real focus, if you're going to fix your eyes on something, it means that you look away from something else. True? If you're fixing your eyes on something, you need to look away from other stuff. And that's really, really important for us. Uh, the Hebrews to which this letter was written um, were a people, they were Jewish Christians, but they were living in a Greek world. And so the Greek influences, etc. The, the Pax Romana, the, the peace, the Roman peace that was throughout the empire, the Romans were in firm control. Um, within that, there were religions that were accepted. One religion which was accepted was Judaism, the Jews. But out of these Jews, there came this usurper, a man called Jesus, and this new religion called the Way. And the followers of this Jesus didn't keep their message to themselves. They began to tell other people. They were seeking to win converts. They were causing disruption. And with that came persecution. Not only from those around them, but sometimes from the Roman authorities themselves. And when that started happened to this particular group of people who the, le the, the writer writes to, when that began to happen, they thought, well, you know, if, if they were losing their homes, or if they were being um, shut out from businesses, and not being able to earn money, um, even being thrown into prison... They began to question, is it worth it? If I, if I just, I do believe in Jesus, but if I took on the appearance not of being a Christian, but took on my old appearance of being a Jew, Judaism's safe. And I won't get all this persecution. And some of them were beginning to do that, not denying Jesus, but just not being outwardly a Christian. And so they began to... Uh, back off a bit and take on their old trappings. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, hey, come on. 
What are you doing? You can't be half in and half out here. You need to fix your eyes on Jesus and you need to believe what he's got for you. And he begins to go through the book of Hebrews and as you go through the book of Hebrews, an amazing book, you'll find that he's saying, look, what you have in Jesus is far better than anything else you've had. As a Jew, you, you think Moses is tops. Hey, Jesus is better than Moses. Moses was a servant of God. Jesus is God. Angels, you've got a great array of angels. You, you think greatly of them. But angels, they were just servants. They served. Who did they serve? God. Who is Jesus? God. So he's greater than your angels. He's greater than all these things. So don't back down. Greater than Abraham. Greater than your heroes of faith. Jesus is supreme. And what he has for you is better than they could ever give you. Because at the end of the day, they can't save you. He can. He can. Therefore, don't go backwards. Don't lose your focus. Don't slip back into what you once were. Press on. So how do we keep our focus? How do we do it? Well, the example that's given to us there is Moses. And when you read concerning Moses in that particular book, it's telling us there three things. And I just want to mention them to you briefly this morning. Moses learned to look away from his past. Chapter 11, verse 24. Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I love that film, um, Prince of Egypt, the cartoon when it came out. It, it was just probably the best, best religious cartoon movie ever made, as far as I'm concerned. There's parts in there which the burning bush just, when that happens, I just start crying my eyes out. It's just um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you've not seen it, get it out and see it. But Moses, of course, was born a Hebrew. And then the decree was issued to, to kill all the Hebrew babies, the boys, to reduce the population and stop their development. They were growing to a massive people, uh, and, all, and the, the, the Egyptians were getting nervous because uh, they had this nation serving them as slaves, but the nation was growing, and therefore the threat, as far as they were concerned. They saved Moses. It was, his mom pushed him out into the, into the, into the Nile um, to get him away from the soldiers, and he ended up being found by Pharaoh's daughter, who pulled him out of the bulrushes, oh, loved him, and raised him as her own. He became a prince of Egypt. But really, he was a Jew. His background was that he was a Hebrew. And the day came when he realized he was a Hebrew. By then, of course, he was wearing the makeup. He looked Egyptian. He, he was a prince. He'd been brought up in in all the princely ways, etc. But the day came when he found out he was a Hebrew. And he had a choice to make. Do I stay a prince of Egypt, an Egyptian, or do I take on my true identity as a Hebrew, a Jew? And it says that he chose, he chose to look away from his past. He chose to become a Jew, to be who he was at the end of the day. And it cost him an awful amount. In order to, to, to look away from his past, he had to look away from his sin because in the, 
the thing that brought it to the fore was that he saw um, some, some uh, Egyptian soldiers mistreating some slaves, beating them almost to death, and he intervened, and he ended up killing the guard. He killed an Egyptian. Uh, and in the end, he had to flee and, and run away. He'd, he'd committed murder. So he had that issue to look away from if he was going to follow God. And I don't know what your backgrounds are. Obviously, there's people out there getting guns and stuff uh, from people. People are involved in that side of life. They would have to look away from that and focus on Jesus if they want their life to be changed. But for others, it might be something different. It might be your emotions. It might be um, the, your makeup. I know for me, um, when, when I was in, in the UK uh, as, a, as a young guy and always been the odd one out, always been the only black kid in, this, in the class, um, people telling me to go back home, go back to where you came from. You know, I said, well, I had, yeah, I had no choice. You know, my parents brought me. I was only two when we came, but you can't argue that. Um, you know, those of you, you've probably been through all this kind of stuff yourselves. Uh, and having that kind of, and it, it, in it, I was, you know, thinking about it about 10 years ago, I, I, I was looking at how has that shaped me? How has that molded me? The, my experience that I had as a youth. Um, and I can recognize, yeah, I can recognize traits in me that come as a result of that. Uh, I became very internal. I became very um, processed myself. I had a choice to make. I had a choice like that to make. Should I be a young black guy who gave back as good as he got with his fists or with a knife or with whatever? Or do I believe what God says and believe that I am a stronger individual in him and I can forgive and I can move on. That's their problem, not mine. And that's the way I chose, praise God. Or else I could have been an angry black young man. But we all have things that we need to look away from. I wonder what yours is. If it's still got its tentacles holding on to you, and it's actually damaging your present. It's damaging who you are, who you could be in Jesus. Because your traits are there and you've not dealt with them. You've not cut them off. You need to look away from those if you're going to focus on Jesus. And praise God, he can give you the power to do it and be free. You don't need to let your emotions control you if you're an emotional person. You don't need to let your anger dominate you if you're an angry person. Jesus can deliver and set free. And you need to look away from the past and focus on him and not allow those tentacles to pull you back. Moses looked away from his past. His sin, his old life, he looked away from. If anyone is in Christ, the Bible tells us he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Today is a day of new beginnings. Amen? You can actually look away from that and move forward in him. He needed to look away from his past blessing. Strange as it may sound, he was rich. He was a prince. He had everything. He could click his fingers, have what he wanted. But if he was going to be a follower of God, he had to look away from that. Because that thing would ultimately not save him. It would not give him eternal life. It would not give him the forgiveness of sins. It would just give him satisfaction for now and for the moment. But the day would come when we all pass through the gates of death. And our future needs to be set. And the only one who can set it is Jesus. The forgiveness of sins. We must learn to look away from the past. 
Secondly, we see that Moses looked away from the pleasures of sin. Verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 25. It says there, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So he looked away from his present situation. Praise God if we've managed to look away from our past and focus on Jesus and what he has. We now need to look away from our present. Our life right now. And it might be pleasurable. It might be very satisfactory. It might be good work, good job, good lifestyle. Uh, it might be family's pretty decent. Everything seems to be going well. But if you don't know Jesus, then the thing that you don't have is forgiveness of sins. Your sins. And that unforgiveness of sins will separate you from God forever. And it will mean that you will not get to heaven. You'll not get there. You cannot make it on your own. The only one who can get you to heaven is God himself. And the way that God himself has sorted for us to get to heaven is that he came, he died, he paid for our sins, and only asks us to put our trust and our faith in him. He is our salvation. No system, no religious system. He is our salvation. It's down to relationship, not a procedure that we are saved. And I tell you, when I did that as a young guy, because I knew about God, I'd been coming to church for years, but I didn't know God. I had no relationship. And when I asked Jesus to forgive me my sins, to come into my life, hey, they call me Glenn on cloud nine for about 10 years, because all I would do is go, I was so happy I'd come running into church. I'd come and run into the youth group. I just loved being around people who loved me. I just loved it. I loved them. I was just so delighted. My life transformed, changed. I was in a group of folks who, who, believed, who, who accepted me for who I was. Um, you know, I, I, remember, I remember being in my house thinking, who am I going to marry? Who am I going to marry? You know, I'm, I'm black. I'm, I'm surrounded by white people. Um, it's just not going to happen. And my favorite song was uh, uh, Summer Breeze. I remember... It was my first album that I ever bought. I was playing Summer Breeze. The window, I was looking out the window. The rain was falling. And when the rain falls, there's that mist that comes over the, the glass as you breathe on it. And I was, I was looking out the window and the rain was falling. And Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Blowing through the jasmines in my mind. See you Friday night looking out the window on an evening on a Friday night. Feel your arms reaching out to hold me. Makes me feel all right. You know, I was singing that song. I think it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. But I tell you, when I became a Christian, that environment, I met Jill. She was English. And it didn't matter that I was black. What matters was that we both knew Jesus. Different kingdom, different environment. It doesn't matter about race or color or creed. It's only about relationship. We need to look away from our present. Is there stuff now in your life that you just need to deal with and that you need to say, do you know, for the greater goal, I mustn't let these things hinder me because some of them might not be wrong. Scripture says there, cast off everything, the sin, yes, the wrong things, you know what they are, they need to go, but there's also stuff that would hinder your relationship with Jesus. They're not necessarily wrong. Uh, one of them is time. 
We give time to so much other stuff. Do we give that time to him? That needs to go. And we need to get the perspective right. And and the third and final thing, Moses had to not only look away from the pleasures of sin, he had to look away from the treasures of Egypt. Verse 26. No matter what we have, the thing that truly satisfies is the thing that feeds the soul. Because we can have all the money. We can have all the possessions. We can have all those things and still be unhappy. Amongst some of the unhappiest people in the world are the entertainers, the film stars, the rock stars. Um, The suicide rate on them is much higher because they're not happy even though they're in the limelight, they've got outwardly everything that everyone would need, unless the soul is satisfied, the God-shaped hole, as Billy Graham would use, used to call it, unless that is filled with God, you will not be satisfied. You will not be satisfied. Scripture tells us, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where, treasure, where your treasure is, There your heart is. Matthew chapter 6. A friend of mine, um, Steve, his his friend, I always remember him telling me uh, that he was an engineer and he loved his work. He was was a top engineer, his friend. Um, So so committed that he never married. Um, he, He traveled around the world. He just loved it. He loved it. And then in his late 50s, the company sacked him. He was made redundant. And his whole world collapsed. He just didn't know what to do because his whole life was around his work. He got depressed and then took his life. Where your treasure is, where your heart is, that's where your heart is. Where's your treasure? Is it in Jesus or is it in other stuff? Stuff that the Bible tells us we'll not take with us our money, our finances. We're going to leave that behind. Is it in our family? Not necessarily wrong. We love our family. I love my family. I love Rachel. I love my wife. I love the kids. I love my our grandchild. But I know that my future is in Christ. They will not save me. But I want to see them saved. And the only one who saves them is Jesus. And so, not only do we need to look away from our past, the things that pull us back, not only do we need to look away from our present, looking at our lives now and thinking, you know, what am I putting my focus, my time into? But we also need to have our, our, to remain our eyes fixed on Jesus, is to look forward to our future. Who is my future? What is my future? Is the grave it? Is that it? Is that, does it end there? I don't even know when I'm going to die. I don't even if I'm going to have 80 years. It might be 60, it might be 40. We don't know. And is that it? Or is my future secured in Jesus? Whose promise is that if we put him first, he will then give to us eternal life. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews is telling to the folks. Listen, what you have in Jesus is far, far better than what you have in Judaism. What he's 
saying to us this morning, what you have in Christ is far, far better than your past, than your present. He's far, far better for your future. You have it in him. Let me close with this. When you look at um, when you look in the Bible and you read about worship, when it came to focusing, they were focused. The guys, the Jewish guys, had three great feasts in any year. If they were devout, they had to attend these, and a devout person would attend them. Passover, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Tabernacles three different feasts and when you look at it in the Bible one of those feasts lasted a month and the other two were not far between if you lived outside of Israel those pilgrims traveling in some of those could actually be on the road and in feasts for nearly four to five months out of every year that's devotion that's worship we find it difficult to get up and ask and just give our day to the Lord, even for five minutes. We find it difficult at times to pick up the Bible and spend time reading His Word on a daily basis, giving Him an hour. We find it difficult to get to church on time. We find it difficult to do all kinds of things when actually they gave their everything to build their relationship with God. If we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, we need to look away from our past. We need to look away from the things that hinder us now. And we have to have our eyes firmly fixed on the future. Where does my help come from? Where does my salvation come from? Where does my future come from? Where does my deliverance from death come from? It comes from Him. It comes from Him. He is my focus. He is my future. Therefore, I will give him his worth in my worship, in my lifestyle, in my commitment and time to him. And in that sense, I'm building a great future. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads.